Welcome to Press Play and Surrender. I'm your host, Owen McQuinn, and I'm an Irish filmmaker and actor. This is my chance to speak to artists of all kinds, as well as industry players, from up-and-comers to established talent. It's a space for in-depth conversation, where personal insights and unexpected tangents are very much encouraged. You're listening to Press Play and Surrender. My guest today is Jessica Courtney Lean. Jessica is a graduate of the Gaiety School of Acting and also earned an MA in screenwriting at the National Film School Dunleary. Her short films Brona and Not My Sister have played at film festivals internationally, including the Newport Beach Festival in LA. She also runs the West End Theatre School in Killarney. It was a pleasure to chat with her today, so here's my conversation with Jessica Courtney Lane. Hey Jess, how are you doing? Hey, good, thanks. How are you? I'm good, thanks for being on the podcast. This is great. Thanks for having me. Sorry, it's been yeah. so mad. <laughs> That's okay. I know you have an insane schedule, so I appreciate you finding the time to do it. Not at all. Thanks for having me. Um, so you and I obviously, or not obviously to everyone, but know each other from the screenwriting MA that we did about two or three years ago. And yeah, it's kind of been, it was kind of an amazing journey, wasn't it? I mean, we were doing it in lockdown, so it was kind of like bizarre. Obviously none of us were used to doing a course remotely like that. Yeah, I think, I, I don't think any of us were used to doing anything like up until that point. And I, I just literally came from, um, Fastnet from the film festival and I bumped into one of our old classmates Billy and we were yeah. we were just discussing the exact same thing and we were saying how mad it was that it was like because I thought it was later I thought it was 21 22 but it was 2020 to 21 wasn't it and it was like yeah. in the in the height of it all and but it was brilliant. It was something. It was something, you know, to give us focus and to keep us interested and creative and stuff. And I mean, a lot of us had this time on our hands that we didn't have before, and it was it was great to hone a skill that I think we all really wanted to. And we we had all, ironically, I don't know, do we all have the same lines on our hands or what? But we had all ended up in this place at this time doing a screenwriting masters, and it was something I always wanted to do. So it was great to be around like-minded people who wanted the same yeah. you know it, it but like I'm really happy that we have like maybe two or three days at the beginning where we were in person for whatever reason like the, the restrictions weren't quite as as tight for those first few days and we did get to meet each other in person and we did kind of talk about our ideas in front of the class and you know that was important I think if we hadn't had that it would have been really like distancing um yeah See, I'm I'm the opposite. I'm I'm queen introvert. So <laughs> I was like classic writer. <laughs> I was like, I want I want to wake up at five to nine, put on a hoodie, and like be in my bedroom, do my class, and then <laughs> I'm no. It was that lovely was to meet everyone. And you're right. It's it's important to be in the room and you know get everyone's vibes and energy and all that kind of stuff. But it it also saved me about 150 euro a week because I would have been driving up and down from Cork 
for those yeah. two days so what the hell i forgot about that okay it was ideal the way it happened i guess but yeah um, you're looking for the wrong person to agree with you <laughs> <laughs> i like it um yeah no it was pretty great um but can you talk a little bit about what made you want to do that uh, screenwriting ma and what did you get out of it yeah um i, I guess i guess it was um i had been living in london up until march 2020 and i moved over there to pursue filmmaking and screenwriting um and also acting if i'm being honest if i'm being completely honest um and i found that no matter how hard so i got a job in a pub and i got a job in a flower kind of subscription place where they deliver boxes of flowers out um i was like a well a phone what's the word what is the word i worked on the phones um receptionist no kind of like um sales i was on the sales team okay um i also think i got fired because i was a bad liar so <laughs> i uh, was not a good salesperson so i thought you're an I'm, actor jess you should be able to i'm lie kind of proud I, <laughs> i'm kind of proud that i got fired but i didn't get fired but i i was let go randomly mm-hmm. and it was because of numbers but um and i was last in so i was first out but i think it was because i was really bad at the sales because i i just could couldn't hook people in um which I should not be advertising right now, but anyway. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I was work- I was double jobbing and I was spending all my free time going to cafes and writing and I wanted to make um, something. I wanted to make a short or I wanted to, you know, be cast in something and I was going for loads of auditions. And it- it's that classic story that every artist who moves to London from Ireland has, which is you're you're just trying and you're trying and it's relentless and you know, every waking hour is put into your creative pursuits. And um, I think what what I really started to notice was the jobs, because I was scouring, you know, like BBC and ITV and every hub that was possible to get experience. Um, And I was I was looking to apply to be in, I don't know, a trainee position or to be to be a fly on the wall in a writer's room I was like I I was writing to people being like I will make the tea I just want to be in the building and um I there was just no luck and every single time the thing they wanted was either a portfolio of experience which is totally understandable or um an MA in screenwriting or in something production I don't know so I just basically said okay how can I how can I I don't know, make things happen, put plans into action. And I just said, I'm going to do a screenwriting MA at some point. At the time, it didn't suit because obviously I was just working too much to pay my way. And I was kind of enjoying being immersed in the creative, you know, <laughs> struggle or challenges that that brought. But um, then lockdown came and I came home and I had all this time on my hands and I jumped straight into writing and making some music and things like that. And then um, I just, it, it, I must have been talking about it to people because my Instagram ads suddenly were like this screenwriting course. And then there was another one, a film course in a different college. And it was just this constant thing that every day I was like, either the universe is sending this to me or Instagram is listening to my thoughts. Right. So that's what happened. And I did it. Okay. And it was brilliant. Really good decision. Yeah. Yeah. 
And did you make your first short film uh, around the time that you were in London or was it around the time of lockdown? It was just before lockdown. It was in November or October of, um, sorry, that's a lie. I wrote it in November of 2020, of 2019. And then I shot it in March of 2020. Like I shot it, I think the first week in March. And then I was on the most patriotic journey home ever on St. Patrick's Day. I remember it so vividly. On the 17th of March, we, myself and my friend flew home for what we th- thought would be like two weeks for while well, the world had a little bit of a rest and then that was it. I never went back to London. Um, uh, yeah, so I shot it just about two weeks before coming home. So I had all these hard drives and all this material and I'd never made a short film before. So I was isolating in my deceased grandparents' house in Kerry for like three weeks. And it's a good thing I did because I actually had COVID and I didn't realize I had. So I didn't bring it home to my parents, but um, I was just isolating with all these hard drives to do. So I found myself an editor who was amazing, Laurie Stacey, she's brilliant. And I posted her the hard drives and we edited the whole thing. We did post-production in lockdown um, remotely and it was just zoom calls it was voice notes it was texts and that's how we edited the first film which was brona and then it just went on to the festival circuit from there until the following year and then around the following year i shot the second one so yeah yeah that's that timing is crazy though to be like having just shot it not being able to predict and like get it all in the can and then you know to have that nothing but time in your hands almost to edit it. Yeah, and I've never done it before. So I didn't know what I was doing. I was really like, you know, such uh, imposter syndrome. I was like, I I was on the phone to editors and to, you know, color graders. And my friend was doing the score. And I was just like, am I doing this right? Because I thought I'd be sitting next to someone and this it's the simplest thing of being able to point at a screen or saying can we stop there can we go back and it was like everything had to be done by it was just, it was just a lot but it was it was yeah. really good but now that's the way I've learned I kind of want to do that all the time <laughs> because it suited me again as an introvert I kind of enjoyed it so yeah. I'm kind of like I know it doesn't yeah, well, fit I... every time I say introvert because I'm like blah blah blah, blah, blah but yeah no but I'm like side of the computer it it makes sense like and that's kind of changed how things are done in in the industry in general now i think there's a lot of things done remotely and whether or not that's a good thing you know it's up for discussion but i want you to tell me a bit about your upbringing um your first interest in filmmaking and movies um can you were you interested in performing from a young age yeah um, <clears throat> sorry, just before I forget as well, I, I know I mentioned fast not there a second ago, I came from a really interesting talk um, where it was David Putnam, Ed Guiney, um, Lisa from Lisa Richards and Maureen uh, Hughes, and they were actually discussing the impact of self-taping for actors on both oh, yeah. casting directors and actors. And it was hugely interesting because they were they were just saying almost how it takes away from that 
you know connection in the room with people so I, I, it's just interesting that we were talking about it with regard to me editing and I wasn't the editor sorry but I was involved as the director um so yeah it was just an interesting conversation that kind of links to what you were just saying there so I, d I just wanted to mention yeah. it. but um there's so much that could be said on that um but yeah so I I was interested hugely in performing growing up I think I was a bit of a an attention seeker <laughs> um I was always yeah being a bit like look at me I have a song to perform for you I have a a show to do but it was also it's funny and that's why I, I feel I don't know what the word is like it sounds funny when I'm like oh I'm, I feel very introverted as a person because I also was very shy about getting up and doing it so I think the natural instinct was always in me as a writer and a creator more so than a performer despite the fact that I got up and did the dances and did songs here and there now songs took a long time I was like no I'm not singing in front of anyone until I was about 17 it like would not do it um so but yeah drama did drama all the way up through school loved it always loved characters and you know putting on funny voices and doing all the accents that you hear on tv and mimicking people and in in a nice way so yeah it was always there and obviously um not obviously but for me there's um my uncle was an actor and um yeah so it's kind of it's kind of there on that side of the family a little bit so okay yeah yeah, that's so interesting, though, about the whole thing of being an introvert or being shy and also being an actor. Personally, I feel like I'm an introvert and I can only be really confident when someone has given me permission to be or the, the scenario to be or the dialogue of what to say. Because if I'm asked yeah. to lie or whatever, as myself, I can't do it. <laughs> but, like, once you get those circumstances you know where you have permission other people are saying it's okay you can be whatever you want to be you can be this specific person that we have written for you and other people are going to react the way you want them to because we've directed them to do that like suddenly i'm confident you know suddenly i'm yeah. able for anything that's interesting uh, though because that makes sense because i would always struggle with the whole like am I really an introvert? Like, because I really feel that's who, I know I shouldn't be like labeling personality things or whatever, but it's a funny one because my friends would be like, but you're so outgoing and you're so chatty and you're so bubbly. And, I, and I'm and i kind of like, yeah, but then like, you know, all the times, you know, I'm like, oh, I'm, I want to sit at home and read or whatever. But that's interesting what you're saying because I feel for me, I definitely was like a, look at me performer doing the things but I was always someone else I wasn't me so, and I think that's what it is for actors as well we love being different people and escaping into different worlds and you know trying on a different hat or I don't know a diff different I don't know skeleton that I'm someone else so right it, it, it sounds to me in that regard that yeah you, ca you can be an, an introvert and you can be a big performer if that makes sense yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and so when you were growing up or when you were a teenager, were you being encouraged to do this by family or other people? Did you have a teacher who could see what you could do? Not really. Um, <clears throat> not really. Like, 
we had a we had drama class in school in a kind of like you know once a week for 40 minutes um someone would come in and do kind of you know speech and drama with us where we would do poems or we would do a bit of a bit of prose or something and you know we'd perform it in the class and then we'd get back to our maths or our English or whatever geography after the drama teacher would leave. I went to drama as an after school kind of activity, but I was always the, like, I never got any parts and I was always like too shy to put myself forward. And I was always in awe of the people who were like the big musical theater performers who had that confidence. And then I'd come home and close my bedroom door and like, songs upstairs but never ever do them outside my bedroom <laughs> so it i i don't know um was i putting myself out there enough if that makes sense i think i think yeah. it was probably a confidence lacking thing um which right. again if people know me watch this they'll be like what are you on about you used to come into school and like i'd bring my guitar into secondary school and in the social area at lunchtime i'd like make up songs about like everyone around and we just have a skit and we just mess and have a laugh and like they, they, they were probably my most kind of creative performances and enjoyable ones but it was because again I was messing and I was being the clown and everyone was laughing and I was being encouraged and I loved that whereas yeah. in, in a drama environment I was like the quiet person who was afraid that if I tried to sing I might not hit the note or that person did yeah. it brilliantly so I won't try because you know so I, I guess I was definitely encouraged. People were lovely and very, you know, oh, you're very good at that. But I think I, I did, I possibly didn't believe in myself enough or something, I don't mm. know. And what made you then think I should do this with my career? Like you didn't go immediately into drama school, right? Yeah, <laughs> when, you, when you asked that, I was like, stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> stupidity yeah make this record. um um i i know i didn't go straight to drama school i kind of wanted to but i was given really good advice to get it um which has worked out absolutely in the way that my life was meant to go um to get a degree um go to college have the college experience and enjoy it um and i think that was right for me as well because I've met some of you know people who are my best friends to this day and I got to explore a couple of different creative routes on the side as a, as a hobby and I knew at the end of the four years I, so I did journalism and new media and then I knew as I approached my final year exams I was like I, I have more hunger than ever to go acting so I was like I just knew that I would be able to commit and I had done the college thing and the, yeah the, the bite was there the so I that it was applied. still there that ambition was still there was, tells you everything really doesn't it yeah and it's 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 a bit hypocritical of me though because not hypocritical but it's it's a bit fraudulent of me because I did nothing in those four years to exercise my acting now I, I read plays or I would go to a few plays, but I did nothing to exercise it. So it was a little, it did feel a little bit fraudulent being like, yeah, my hunger for this is still there. But I, yeah. I guess I didn't have access to it. You know, I didn't have like, which again, it's just, it's just the world I was immersed in. I wasn't surrounded by actors and creatives. And I, I was in a different community of, of, of friends and people. And 
I think there's definitely something to be said for, you know, in Ireland, we have such a good encouraging system to, to get everyone involved in sport, which is exactly what it should be. It's brilliant. But I do think with regard to the arts, like I, I can't believe sometimes that I was 24 before I like realized that I like could learn, a, it's, it sounds so silly, but learn a monologue and go to this institute where I could like audition to then go and train to do the thing I want to do. Or like even when I was 17 and I went to see King Lear in um, The Everyman with my, with my English class with school, that was like my first wow moment. And I was like, what, what's going on? And I was like, I remember feeling every single emotion sitting up in the balcony watching it and like, you know, when you're reading Shakespeare in class, I was I was naturally interested in it and I enjoyed the language, but a lot of it would go over my head, absolutely. But when I watched yeah. the there's there's this magic thing that happens when when a cast get it right and and you know, when the actors understand the dialogue that after five minutes of you sitting there in the audience going, What are they saying? What is this language? something clicks and you just fall into it and that happened and I remember just being like just speechless and like I I just loved it and ever since that moment I was like that's what I want to do and I just find it in hindsight when I look back and I think how was that my first like exposure to that I was like 17 or you know it's it's older it's and I had been, don't get me wrong, I'd been to shows, but I, I guess I just, I wasn't shown how possible it was. And I think that's something I'd be massively passionate about now, like showing people how possible it is. But also, on the other side of things, then I'd be very passionate about letting people know. Because maybe if I was told this, my life would have gone differently as well for maybe different reasons. You don't, just because you love it, you don't actually have to make it your career. You can do it every day and enjoy it. And you can do yeah. something else alongside it. So, like, it's, it's just about possibility, I think, and opportunity, you know? Yeah. I'm going to well, stop talking true. now. Like... No, that's what I, I want you to do. I want you to keep talking and monologuing. Um, no, but it's, uh, it is interesting. Like, you don't, you're right. You don't actually need to make it your career. You don't need to make it your identity either. I think there's a danger in, like, saying... I'm a filmmaker, that's what I do, like, because, you know, then if you're not, if you're not making a film that year, or you failed with a project, then you can feel like a failure as a person, so it should be, like, separate in a way, you need a healthy balance of how you see yourself, I think. Yeah, I struggled with that for a while, actually, because uh, I didn't know how to introduce myself in rooms, because I'd go to parties, or I'd go to anything, like, communion for a cousin or like I don't know a funeral or whatever and people would be like and what are you doing or what what's your job what do you do and I would always just be like yeah and I'd try to explain and I think everyone just thought I was a bit cuckoo and I was like um sometimes I do this and sometimes I do that and and then eventually I just said you know Jess when people ask you you just say I'm an artist and then I was like that is the wankiest thing ever. <laughs> but I just had to get comfortable with it because you're right. If you say, oh, I'm a filmmaker, they go, oh, what are you making? And you're like, yeah, I have a script that is going into yeah. development. And you're like, cool, what's development? And you're like, well, it's this period of time where you continue <laughs> to write this thing that already exists. And 
it's yeah. just it's complicated but i think when you when you stop worrying about what people think then that's luck to me uh, getting there <laughs> yeah i'm kind of the same way though because i would see myself as an actor and a writer and a director and people often yeah. ask you know which one is it owen which one is the most important <laughs> one I don't know how to answer. I really don't. Like, do you have a priority in your list? Or is it really like you feel strongly about each of them and you want to pursue each of them? Like me, you're asking yeah. me as a question. Um, it, the list changes. The order changes all the time. So, but yeah. I do think... I do think writing and directing is is like my ultimate goal and what I what I do get the most out of. But then again, you're still yeah. saying two words. You're like, I'm a writer director, so I just say filmmaker yeah. because. But, yeah. Yeah. And then other days I'll do that, and someone else in the group discussion will say something about you know acting, and then the conversation will go that way, and people will talk about it, and I'll be like interested and i want to contribute but it'll it'll sound odd so i go but oh i'm an actor as well and then it's just like okay <laughs> so yeah yeah i mean people don't have this confusion over someone like ben affleck or clint eastwood or something we're we're never questioning them when we're like oh is he a director or is he an actor i guess he can yeah. be both because he's super successful at it you know so <laughs> you know it's it is tricky though i think the whole thing yeah have you seen his um recent one the air 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 yeah i saw it i really liked it it was very funny i didn't think i was yeah 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 no it was great like um so i want to talk a bit about your process as a screenwriter like how do you get your ideas for me it's like i think of something that i would like to watch what, what would I like to go see? That's often my starting point, but it could be completely different for you. So tell me about it. Um, and we're back to feeling fraudulent. <laughs> you have no reason um, to feel fraudulent. I've, I've also seen I your keep films. Forgetting. Oh, thanks. God. I keep forgetting this isn't just like us catching up. That's why I was like, have you seen that film? And then I was like, yeah, oh, no, it's fine. <laughs> Um, so I, I, I feel like it's very similar to my songwriting and it's going to sound a bit insane, but it just like falls into my brain. It's like I could have a dry spell for so, so long and then out of nowhere, it'll just be there. And it's like, it's like sometimes it comes fully formed into my head and I'm like, oh, so then what happens is, and I'd say people think I use this as an excuse to just be the introvert who spends time alone and drinks loads of coffee and goes on walks, because that is my dream life and I live it <laughs> quite frequently. But I, that's what I do. I, I just go for like walks in very specific places, uh, which I will not tell the internet. And I just get a coffee and I walk and I, don't know how I don't bump into people or poles or signposts because I, I'm not there. I'm not there on the walk. I see everything, but I'm just not there. And I I think it definitely starts with character for me. I think that's probably the most technical answer I can give you that it starts with character. Yeah. If not, it starts with the 
with the ending. I know that's weird as well, but usually it comes in a kind of a, kind of like a jigsaw box that you've shaken all the pieces of. That like it was, the jigsaw's made and put in the box and then you shake it. So it's kind of like some parts of it are made and they're in clumps and you're kind of like, oh, quick, get that and then find this part. And then there's like random pieces and you're like, oh shit, where they, where do they go? Sorry for cursing. And it's kind of like that. I think that's what happens. And I just sit with it. So I have like, like I have um, the film we worked on in the MA, for example, in now it's complete, it completed in the sense that it's on its third draft, but I'm, I'm not satisfied with it. And that's probably the thing I've sat on the longest in my life without acting on it. Um, Cause it's been like three years now, but then there's like, there's two other features that are constantly up here that I've made a little bit of work on, or I've started a little bit of work on very, very background minor stuff. And then there's two shorts at the moment going around my head that again, I've started writing one of, and the other is just circling. And then there's a series that's been in my head for a year now that I, I'm almost too afraid to think about it. And I don't know why. So I think that's a good thing, but I'm just like, it's back there. It's, it's like, fifth in line but it's the most important one if that makes sense so i'm like i'm not going there until i yeah. sift it through the others so i don't well, know that's... i don't know what my process is on <laughs> thanks for exposing me <laughs> it probably <laughs> it probably changes from project to project like but i think that's kind of great that things come to you maybe not fully formed but like you have such a strong idea that it almost you can't get rid of it until you finally written it you know like it's better than staring at a blank page you know yeah but then you know those memes pop up all the time which is like bad writing is better than no writing you can edit a page of writing but you can't edit a blank page so yeah. I do see those things and I'm like oh, I should probably write more um I do think that would be my biggest flaw as a, as a writer that I don't write more I do a lot of thinking um, which works to my advantage because I solve a lot of the plot holes before I start writing. But um, and then I can't stop, which is great. But also I do. I I wonder the gems I miss out on because I'm overthinking that kind of way. Yeah, it's really it's really difficult. And I don't know. Can you tell me? Do you find writing a feature or writing a short more difficult, or is there a difference? The feature. I find okay. the feature harder because yeah. I, I, and I think it's exactly what I was just saying to you. I can, I see the whole arc and I can solve the whole thing quicker with the, with the short and then I can write my first draft, my second draft, my third draft, my whatever. <clears throat> so I could have maybe five drafts of a short. And I know that's logical anyway, because of the time and the length of it is a lot shorter clue is in the title. But I mean, in terms of my brain getting there, um, this is probably all very generic and normal stuff that people would be like, well, yeah, obviously, Jess. What? I don't think so. Yeah. It wasn't obvious to me anyway. But what about shooting short films? How do you find directing actors, collaborating with cinematographer and producer? Um, I had a ball on both of mine I think again this probably leans into when you were asking me where I would tier things in order of like what I enjoy the most um I I think like being 
being in a recording studio recording songs and being on set as a director are, are, are the two freest times I ever am. <laughs> are the two times I'm ever the most free feeling. Um, <clears throat> um, and I think, because you hear people talking about that and you hear people saying like, when it doesn't feel like work, that's the sweet spot. And I just like, I can never, it's only, I've only done it twice. I've made two short films, but I, it's probably like giving birth, like you forget what it feels like and you do it again and you're kind of like stunned. Obviously it's not painful, but like when I did it the second time, I was like, oh my God, I forgot. I forgot the joy that I get from this and I forgot the the racing, like my brain races for the three days that I'm shooting in, in, a, in a brilliant way, in a good way, but it does keep me awake. I don't sleep very well because I'm thinking and I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm very much there. I'm very on set and I'm very, I'm not even on set. I'm in the cinema looking at it on the screen. So yeah, my, my brain races, um, potentially my own fault as well for wearing too many hats for the last one. I, well, for both of them, I produced, wrote, directed, and was in it, um, which I loved doing, and it was a brilliant experience, and it probably was more to do with, you know, me figuring out where I stand, what I enjoy, um, and budgetary things. Um, but going forward, I would definitely work with producers um, on it, and I wouldn't cast myself, so I would just be staying with that writing-directing role. So it... it yeah. But I loved, I loved working with actors, especially being an actor. Like, I think, I do think there's something very helpful and very special in being an actor who's directing actors because you get what they're doing and you get how they feel in the moment and you get like the work they put in where, where they want to put their creative stamp on, on your work. And also whilst respecting you as a director, you, you actually understand that it's just like it's the passion and it's the love of that part or what they see their character as being as a whole like that I don't know there's a lot of understanding there's a lot of empathy I think and it's uh yeah I, I really love that I love talking to actors on set I love getting in their head like understanding I don't mean getting into their heads manipulative 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 Manipulate. Yeah. Oh, I can't say that word. Manipulate. <laughs> You're not. Um, I don't mean that. Like, I mean like harassing <laughs> and shades of all on this. No, no, the no, no. Shining. Well, I'm joking. No, I, I, I like getting into their heads in terms of understanding what they're thinking or like where they're coming from and having those discussions. And then I don't know. I just I, I, I don't know. I love it. I really buzz off it. So I, yeah. I have only good experiences and my cinematographer that I worked with Jas Foley is just like has become one of my good friends he's just fab like I can't say enough kind things about Jas so and again it's that it's that understanding and empathy that as a human he has that his work really like speaks in in terms of that because he has this like brilliant understanding of of the human mind and the human heart and like he just lets his camera capture that and obviously he does it beautifully but yeah the way we worked was to let the story unfold and let the camera just be the be the canvas and it was yeah it was really interesting and it was really different to things I'd done before so 
I, I got really lucky and I met great people like my editor Laurie is just a wonderful human and so so talented and so patient with me um and then Meg and Chrissy who worked on both of my films are just like again have become two of my really close friends and you know just it's brilliant when it's brilliant when you find your tribe that kind of way you know um and they're just people I would trust with anything so it's yeah I've been very lucky so I'm only going to answer that question with outrageous positivity um no drama no gossip sorry <laughs> that's amazing um and you also had an incredible festival experience with both films even going to Newport festival in LA right for uh not my sister yeah that was like myself and Jas still talk about that like I say I don't I just not that I ever cared about awards or anything like that you you don't make films for that reason obviously it'd be great but to be to be asked to go to Newport to be in that selection of Irish films was like it was you know what it was it came at a time when I had been bombarded with no's as in no 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 every email I opened up was dear Jessica or hi filmmaker or whatever it is um you just scan it for unfortunately unfortunately <laughs> unfortunately and I was like I'm just going to get a tattooed onto glasses so that when I wake up in the morning I just see unfortunately but uh I it, it actually it was it it was <laughs> A horrible time because every morning I would wake up the emails and some of them would just be work emails or or other things but without fail <clears throat> excuse me about three times a week for this period of about like a month and a half I got those unfortunately no this that and the other and it really started to pick up my confidence again and the Newport thing was like this shining light out of nowhere and so unexpected and I entered you know on a whim I was like we're not going to get into Newport and then it did and it was like <clears throat> excuse me it was a lovely festival they were so so welcoming really lovely over there brilliant you know people that we met and I just I you know I, I got to go on a, a trip and go to this place that I'd always thought about when I was you know sounds so wanky but like a little girl and like you know, I got to do the whole, you know, the ch outside the Chinese theater, and Prince, and what? The step and repeat with the with the festival red carpet kind of thing. That thing too. <laughs> I got to, you know, I got to go see Santa Monica, and you know, just do a few tourist things, and also realize that it was the film that brought me to that place. And then when I thought about it in that, in terms of that, I was like, and I'm here with someone who I now consider my friend and back home egging me on are the two girls who I consider my two close friends. And every so often, if there's ever kind of a, a moment where I feel creatively challenged or I feel like, you know, have, it's, it's a bit of a, a down day where like nothing is happening or nothing is working I just go you got to go to Newport and then I'll look at the post and I purposely remember when I put that post up being like you're gonna click back into this so many times and it's like a reel I made and I was like for that reason so every time that I start to go a bit mm, but this is kind of shite and this is kind of my oh boohoo my life I'm like you got to go to Newport with your film and see it on a big screen and it's, you know, it's the gift that keeps on giving and anything beyond that is a bonus. And even without that, like, we you know, we were at some gorgeous festivals. We 
premiered at Galway this year and then we went to Cork and Kerry. Um, recently I went over to the London Kino Film Festival, which was the first festival in London that I went to when I was like just starting to look at making films when I moved over there and they were so supportive and they were so, so lovely. Justin from that film festival, just like the whole team, they're so nice. And I just remember when I was entering the film onto the film circuit, I was like, I'm going to enter that film festival because it just means something like to me. And then, you know, we won an award at that, which was lovely. And yeah, we won an award at Perry as well. And all unexpected, lovely bonus things. But like, <clears throat> excuse me, the yeah, the prize to me is obviously the people I got to meet and work with. And, and then Newport was just like this gorgeous experience. So yeah, yeah I go for that. Um, is the film going to be available publicly online anytime soon? So, yeah, but I was actually going to ask you about this away from this interview, but, um, uh, no, I just, I'm for someone who produces their own work and constantly posts online, I am the worst tech head ever. So I don't know what I'm meant to do with that. So yes, is the answer, yeah. but I'll okay. figure out how and when. Uh, it's yeah, finished. I was just going to say, because people should really watch it. It is a great film. Oh, thanks, Owen. That's nice. Yeah. Um, it's finished its festival run now tomorrow, tomorrow night at Fastnet. So, yeah. Amazing. I'll get sometime. And uh, you've also gotten into teaching in a big way in the last maybe year or two. And um, how's that been? How has that, you know, used all of your skills to do that role? Yeah. Um, so like I always, in the same way that I worked in the flower shop or that I, um, sorry, I'm hiccuping here, um, that I worked in bars and everything. I always, as you do when you're an actor or a creative, you have a couple of hats that you wear and a couple of side gigs. Um, so I, I taught drama um, quite a lot. I did workshops, I did Shakespeare um, kind of seminars and workshops and then um, drama to all ages, like adults and kids. And then I did playwriting because I began writing my own work in theatre. Um, and I have three of those up and running. So that's where that stemmed from. And I was very lucky as well because people that I've known in the industry would have given me, you know, those jobs. They'd say, I have a class that I'm looking for a teacher. I think it would suit you. Can you come in and do a trial run? And I'll watch and all this kind of stuff. And it kind of stemmed from there. And I suppose as an actor, you're immediately a teacher if you're working in the industry in the sense that uh, that's that's a risky thing to say. Um, but you know, if you can, if you can for 50 minutes or an hour and a half, hold a room of teenagers or adults with drama games and skills and give them something like that's a goal for the end of that class, you know, that whether it's tableaus or whether it's like scripting a 30 second advert and then they get time to put it together and then they perform it for the class. And there's an arc of like, you know, coming out of your shell, uh, gelling with the other people in the class creating something, rehearsing and then performing. And that's the class, you, you know, as an actor, you're very familiar with that process. So I loved teaching, didn't like it at the start, really didn't like it because I was afraid that it was pulling me away from my dream. And I was like, and it, I'd say every actor goes through that. I was like, this isn't what I want to be doing, but I needed to do it to pay the bills and whatever. Yeah. And then I slowly started to fall in love with teaching because I would see kids or adults get something huge from it and 
I would see their confidence come out over a couple of weeks. I'd see their creativity start to pour out of their brain and that, you know, I'd see them making friends in the class or I don't know, just, just growing, I suppose, in, in that kind of supportive environment. And so my uncle would have been my mentor for close to 10 years and we would have done a lot of those kind of classes together and he would have given me a lot of my work in that way. And he opened um, the West End House School of Arts in Killarney with his longtime friend, uh, Michael Fassbender, who he, my uncle, uh, Joni Courtney was his name. He also mentored Michael in the early days in Killarney when Michael started out um, in Donny's uh, theatre troupe that used to go around kind of like a, I suppose a comedy improv group um, maybe it wasn't comedy I shouldn't say that but um, so yeah they set up the West End House School together and um, Donny was the director and I, I taught classes there and uh, unfortunately Donny died last May and his legacy is, is, is thriving in the school because there's kids and adults coming in and there is, you know, people are going from strength to, to strength confidence wise and uh, creatively and just the, the whole community is, I think, benefiting from the school, which is really wonderful to see. It's really it's like, uh, yeah, it's a lasting legacy, um, which is just, you know, very special. Um, and I suppose the natural progression then was I for after Donny died, I worked um kind of behind the scenes doing um what he was doing and i since january i'm the director of the school um so it's a big change like but as i was saying earlier on to you for reasons i didn't know back then when i was advised to go you know go to college get a degree experience that side of things the skills i learned in journalism in ul in terms of like being human but also the skills on that course that I learned actually stand to me a lot in this job um, and then obviously the training as an actor that I, I went to the Gaiety and I trained there and then just making my own work and being a producer and an entrepreneur it's all kind of weirdly come together and then obviously the teaching it's weirdly like just like that jigsaw yeah. thing I was telling you. it's it's like in the same way that the film comes to me in pieces it's like all of the things I trained for came together and obviously I, I would much prefer if I was not filling you know the shoes of this role and my uncle was still doing it which would be much much better but um yeah hopefully I'm doing him proud and doing it to the best of my abilities so um but uh it's it's hugely satisfying job it's um Every, yeah every day just kind of making me uh <laughs> hate myself more and more for falling in love with teaching because as the director of the school you kind of you see everything so you see all of it's not just my class I'm seeing it's every single tutor's class and it's yeah it's it's phenomenal and it's wonderful and I'm just very yeah very grateful obviously again I would much prefer my uncle to be here doing it but very grateful for yeah what what the job is is bringing i suppose for me and for the school yeah. and for all the students it's great it must be really rewarding actually to mm. to have that effect possibly on a young person who is trying something out like and then finds their own voice or finds their own passion for this uh it's really cool yeah and it's that it's that thing that i was saying to you earlier 
And I know, I think it might be across the board with maybe not every actor, but a lot of people that find finding your tribe of, of, you know, of people that like the same things you like. And, and obviously there's room for difference, but that you feel comfortable enough to be wacky, to, to say funny lines or do a funny voice or, or a concept for, you know, a plot you have for something you're writing that, you know, if you say it around other people, they might kind of go, are you okay? That's a bit weird. Or why are you doing that weird accent? And God, I'm revealing a lot about myself here now, but just, just like, I remember, I remember when I was younger that I would, if I had to go into a shop on my own to do a job for like a parent, or if I had to go into McDonald's and order something at the till and everyone was waiting in the car, I would put on accents that were not my accent because I was like, I was just like, I want to see if I could do this convincingly. So I'd be American or I'd be like English or whatever, speaking That's with a French accent. Like, at, at the age of nine or 10, I'd say people, because I'm from, you know, I'm from Douglas in Cork. I'd say people were like, here comes your one, the weird child who does accents. <laughs> But like, I do think giving kids and adults a space to play and to yeah. to just access that, you know, that kind of fun and weirdness and silliness that it's really important. And, and again, I'm realizing the older I get, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to make all of these things that I like doing as creative things my job. Luckily, I kind of am but I'm falling into a different role now because of the way life has gone. Um, sorry, there's more people coming home now. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so it's, it's, it's eye opening the whole, the whole, yeah. Um, whole thing. Yeah. And what is the next thing that we can look forward to from you? Or do you have a project that you're maybe going to shoot or planning to shoot? Or is that kind of on the back burner for the moment? I am currently writing, um, another short and I am on to the fourth draft of that feature that I worked on so my next step is to send the feature out and to see what interest there is in it um and the the short film that I have at the moment not my sister which is almost finishing its festival run is I suppose a proof of concept um accidentally for for this feature so that's kind of where my head is at but I'm also in the middle of writing a new short film I think I mentioned earlier on which I would love to shoot at the end of this year or at the start of next year but because all of that is very like sidelined because of the job I'm doing and I'm fully invested in the job and that's kind of you know I'll, I'll dip into it here and there I really realized that creatively I, I needed an actual goal and something I could implement that wouldn't affect the work I'm doing in the school because that's where my that's where I'm committed and that's what I want to do yeah that's where my focus is so I I'm recording an album <laughs> because I realized if I got a day off here or a day off there I could book time in the studio and spend my day off singing and recording music and there's an end goal and it's fun and it's very freeing but it still feels like a day off and it's that's what I was saying to you earlier on like being on set or recording it, it's the happiest I am I suppose so so that's what I'm working on. And that's what I would say is my current project is the album. But I, I am working on the feature and the short in the background. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we said goodbye, but we forgot to mention that both of us on the MA, both myself and Jess, used to watch Desperate Housewives, like season one through eight on Disney Plus. Not an ad. Supposedly. But, 
supported by was it Mary Kate or was it Eilish where someone said because I brought it up once and I was a bit embarrassed to bring it up but they were like it's phenomenal writing it's, yeah. it's a great example and you and me were like yeah <laughs> and Paul Freeney thought we were talking about Real Housewives reality show and he was like what oh did he Why are you watching that <laughs> Do they give them stuff to say? And I'm like, no, Desperate Housewives. Yeah. But no, it is an amazing that's show. Like, that's probably why he hasn't asked either of us back as guest lecturers. <laughs> <laughs> Nut jobs. Uh, but uh, yeah. yeah, I love that this is the outtakes of yeah. the podcast. It's like this so is damn a surreal. special feature. Um, yeah, no, but like I had never watched the whole series all the way through. I had watched like series one to three. And you were like oh. on your second go watching it or something, or <laughs> I just shouldn't yeah. say that. I, I I watched it when I was younger when it came out, like a live every Tuesday, I think it used to, or Monday nights. There used to be one episode. Oh my god, I'm showing my age now. But and then I think I watched the whole thing before the MA, and then I went back and started watching it when you were watching it so that I could chat to you. <laughs> yes, it was so great. It so took good. me so long, but I was amazed by how quickly you were watching it. Like, you were like, I'm on episode 20 of season four, and I was like, I'm still at the end oh, of season one. You'll be telling people I've been right. <laughs> it was COVID pandemic. We were, no one had anything That's to true. do. But um, yeah, it took me like a year and a half to finish them all, but it was so worth it. Yeah. A year and a half. Yeah. It took me like a I, month and a half. I kept, forgetting, <laughs> I kept forgetting about it. But uh, no, it was great. It's a great show. They should do a reboot. They, they should do a reboot. But I, I feel like there's a lot of things that did not age well with that oh, series. No, like probably as not. Yeah, there's a lot of cancelable things. But like... Yeah, like Friends or any yeah. of these things that were popular. And yeah. Then... And like unpopular opinion. But I still think in in the weirdest way not the weirdest way in the most logical straightforward way when we have these time capsules of of things that don't age well we can see how far we've come and we can see what's not okay so i think it serves a purpose in a way because otherwise yeah. you just forget and this is the whole history repeating itself thing so yeah i you don't know. really like the whole thing of censoring roll dial books and stuff like about what things used to be like maybe just keep them as they That's used right. to be and not not necessarily create new things with the same words or views but like at least say okay we learned from that but it's it's that we're not going to erase the past like anyway or put a page at the front like where the author's introduction will be and say this book was written in this year since then we realize and know these are wrong however the author is dead we cannot blah 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 i don't yeah. i don't know and this is really controversial to say but i i do think it serves a purpose it's like it's like anything in history that's that's dark when you when you when you remember it it's like it, it serves a purpose to show you why it was terrible and don't do that again whereas if we wipe it all out and we just have this blank slate possibly we could go back there so i don't know yeah i know That's maybe i'm talking chat that'll be for the next episode when i get you back we'll have a whole yeah debate. sorry how did we go from outtakes to desperate housewives to me talking about political stances sorry no, let's no. cancel that i like it no it's gonna stay in all right thanks <laughs> jess goodbye Thank for you. real everyone goodbye so that was my chat with jessica courtney lean i am so glad we met on the ma and continue to stay in touch and i can't wait to see what she does next this has been press play and surrender thank you for listening and please consider subscribing wherever you find your podcasts